1: It is so good to be here with the East Congregation at Suntech City. I bring you greetings from Woodland Centre as well as Bukit Panjang Centre. And for all our friends who are Chinese, sing in, mongen, sing in, mongen. I've got a question as we begin. Uh, And I want you to think about this and don't say anything to anyone, but just think about it. You know, what comes to mind when I say this word? Just one word only, okay? And the word is endgame, endgame. What comes to mind? Okay, just think about it. Don't say anything, don't say anything. Don't say anything. So, what comes to mind when I say the word endgame? Most of us we think about this, isn't it? Uh, because it's popularized by uh, the Marvel movie. But not many of us may be aware that the word endgame actually comes from chess. How many of you here play chess? Play chess. Okay, some of you here play chess. You know there are opening moves, there's the mid game, and then there's the end game. The end game is actually not the end in itself. The end is just a strategy to corner the king so that the end of the game is actually checkmate, No, The end game leads you to the checkmate. Does that make sense? So the end game itself is not an end in itself. This morning, I'd like to show you God's end game. God's end game. And God's end game comes from Revelation chapter 7. But before we do so, I invite you to close your eyes and we'll pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have an end game. And we ask in Jesus' name that you will lead us in that direction because that's how everything is moving towards this. Help us also to align our spirits and our actions and everything so that when it comes to the end, we are there with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. So the text I've chosen is from Revelation chapter 5 to 7. Now, obviously, it's impossible to preach through three chapters of text. But I'm going to show you snippets. We're going to begin with the end. We begin with Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. It says, After this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And friends, this is the end game. This is everything God is moving towards, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and language. And this morning, I bring you a simple message entitled, The Nations in God's Hand. What does it mean for the nations to be in God's hands? Now, before I do so, I want to give us a quick overview. Uh, One of the burdens the Lord has laid upon uh, the leadership is that every year, God moves us in His direction. And, and the team this year is into God's hands as we prepare for King Jesus to return. So we preached about the generations in God's hands, Singapore in God's hands, uh, last week about the gospel in our hands, and finally the nations in God's hands today. So this tree really focuses on our faith exploits and what does it mean for them to be in God's hands. So for the generations in God's hand, we think about the idea of being surrendered to God. How we surrender our next generation into the Lord's hands. Uh, When we think about Singapore in God's hands, we think about the sovereignty of God over not just Singapore, but over the nations as well, and how then we are supposed to live our lives in light of his sovereignty. And then last week, we got gospel in our hands about serving God with the gospel. So this morning, the nation in God's hands, I'm talking about partnering with God. Now, some of you look at this, say pastor, not very good. The first three are S, now you've got a P down here. Sorry, uh, we're trying to break this curse of alliteration in covenant. Uh, But we talk about partnering with God. And so, uh, in this uh, few chapters, I want to look with you, what does it mean for the nations to be in God's hands? And particularly this idea, how can we partner with God so that the nations can be more truly in His hands? So that the nations can be more truly in His hands. So, there are going to be three parts to this message. Let me lead you to the first. And we'll begin, we begin with chapter 7. Now we look at chapter 5. Ten verses, a bit long, but you bear with me, and I hope they make sense along the way. So Revelation 5, verse 1, it says this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. One of the elders said to me, weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the scroll and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb "...standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders, they fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." And they sang a new song, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from every tribe and language and people and nation. This is incredible. What we saw, the end game in Revelation chapter 7, doesn't begin there. It begins here in chapter 5. What the Lamb has done to make that possible. And you have made them a kingdom and priest for our God that they shall reign on the earth. And in this whole passage, this whole beautiful scene in heaven, one key thing stands out. Worthy are you, for you have ransomed people by your blood for every tribe and language and people and nation. This is what God has done. And the first theme I'd like to share with you is this idea of seeing God in a selfie world. Seeing God in a selfie world. So I need some help from all of us right now. Okay, so this is what is called congregation participation. I know most of us have a some kind of a communication device. uh. Okay, okay, can you take it out? Can you take it out? Everyone, take it out. Humor me. Trust me, lah. I'm your pastor, not meant for your harm. Okay, everyone, just take one because we're gonna do something together. Okay, so if you have, take it out. Now, um, switch on to the self-facing camera. Okay, and we're gonna do a selfie. You are gonna do your own selfie here. I know secretly you've always wanted to do it, but now I give you permission in service to do it. Okay, so you take your selfie. And what I'm going to do is, on the stage, I'm not going to do like that. I'm going to take my own selfie here. i like you seated down. Take a selfie with your phone. Okay, ma. okay, we'll do it together. Slowly, slowly. One, two, three, we raise up the camera. Raise up the camera. Ready? Okay, you take a picture. Look at it and smile. It's a selfie. One, two, three, let's go. Wonderful. Wonderful. There's a meaning in the madness. Huh? Just wait a bit. I think the first person who invented the selfie was Mr Bean. That was the time before we had all these self facing cameras, right? Okay? And he was the one that started doing this with his Polaroid. Okay? So I think credit must go to him for the selfie. So what's all this selfie thing about? So this was in Straits Times just this Wednesday under B3 by an author by the name of Margaret uh, Renkel. And this is what she says, huh? Uh, In the article, you are pointing your camera the wrong way. She says, with the advent of the self-facing camera, the human world has turned in fundamental ways. Why? The greatest danger in flipping the camera towards ourselves is not miscalculated risk or the loss of self-esteem. The greatest danger is what happens when we make ourselves the centre of the photograph, the centre of the world itself. You see, friends, when the camera was invented... When the camera was invented, so imagine with me, this is not a phone, this is a camera. camera was invented. is to take picture outside of yourself, isn't it? So you go travelling, you see a beautiful waterfall. Wow! You see a beautiful mountain. You see great food. Whatever it is. Uh. And when you take that, it's to show people, wow, look at this waterfall. Wow, look at this uh, beautiful what, mountain. Look at this lake. Uh. And you show people, you show people things that are uh, by and large beyond yourself, outside yourself, isn't it? So now what happens when we come to a waterfall? Waterfall there. (laughs) What happens to the waterfall? What was supposed to be the thing that you show people now has become a backdrop. Backdrop to what? Backdrop to me, law? Backdrop to you, law? Do you see the subtle change? That's what she's bringing up. I may not agree with everything she says, but that's one thing she's bringing up. With the advent of the self-facing camera, what was supposed to be something outside of yourself, you now have taken it as a backdrop, highlighting ourselves instead. Now, I agree with her that this is something that is true, but I don't agree with her that something fundamentally has shifted with the self-facing camera. You know why? Because I share with you the fundamental shift didn't happen with the invention of this. The fundamental shift has really happened in Genesis chapter 3 when we chose to sin against God. To sin against God is not just doing something bad against Him. It's choosing to live our lives apart from God. It's choosing to live our lives apart from God. As creatures, we are never meant to be self-referential. We are always meant to be living our lives in reference to God. But the moment we choose to live our lives apart from God, What we are basically saying is I become God. I choose what I want. Everything is about me. It is all self-centered. Everything is, you know, those of you who who know physics and astrophysics, you you know about the black hole. You know, uh, gravity is so compressed. It is so strong that light cannot escape it. It falls inside the black hole. That's a a, a picture, I think, of sin in our lives. When we choose to live our lives apart from God, we become self-referential. Everything is about me. So whatever people say, we take offense or so angry. Law. And who says everything is about you? will give you a simple illustration. Uh. Those of us who drive two-way two lane, uh, you're, you're speeding to uh, a meeting, and suddenly, ah, uh, in front of you, traffic jam. You didn't check Google, you didn't see the red spot. Anyway, you're stuck there. Okay? Accident in front. Uh. Must be some accident in our lane. right? Then when you reach there, you realise uh, there's no accident in your lane. You know? It's actually across the road. Isn't it? The other side got accident. Everyone slow down to see your copy number, whatever. Isn't that what's happening? Your jam is not due to your lane, it's something happening to somebody else. That's a wonderful picture of us thinking everything is about us. It's me. It's like that. Who says? The, the scriptures, or not the scriptures, sir. there is a theological term for it. The term is this incovertus in C. It's in Latin, it means curved in on oneself. And that's what sin does to us. It makes us curve in, suck in everything. It's all about me. And that's what happens. You know, for those of you who watch Lord of the Rings, uh, sorry, uh, Golem is the ultimate manifestation of that. When everything is about me, it's about my precious. And, And that's it. So that's a picture that God gives to us. So while I agree, I agree a little bit with Margaret, This thing doesn't cause us to fundamentally shift. We are already fundamentally shifted. This thing exacerbates it. It makes us more and more self-oriented. How does this do with the the nations in God's hands? Because this is what the text says, you know? Worthy is who? Worthy is the Lord. Not me. Not any one of us. And we need to understand that. Because even as Christians, we can live self-referential lives. God is only about Sunday, coming to church, going to CG, doing this. But the rest of your life, you are practical atheists because God doesn't feature with you at all. I share this because many come to Covenant, Woodlands, BPJ, here, our churches. We call ourselves Christians, but we have no reference to where God is, what he's doing. It's absolutely critical. We understand missions. That's not begin with the nations. Missions begin with who God is and his glory because he alone is worthy. We need to see him. The question we need to ask is how on earth, how on earth do you and I see God in a selfie world? And, you know, one of the, one of the things about it that I, I present to you is the pace of life in our busy city. Pre-pandemic, we were rushing like a car, 200 miles per hour, and then suddenly, boom, we stopped. The music stopped playing, you know. And everyone, we are stuck in our homes and can't do anything. We, we were just lost. Why? Because we are just rushing around, following everything and suddenly cannot do. I know there are healthcare folks here, so I, I need to ask for your forgiveness. Our healthcare folks are very busy during those times. So the rest of us stuck at home, huh? we, we do not know what to do. We do not know what to do because it's, it's always referential about us. What do we do? I'm sharing this with us because now that we have a space to move out post-pandemic, We need to ask ourselves, how can we live differently so that we are not caught up and always self-referential? I present to you one of the things that maybe is possible is the creation of space. We need space in our life. Space. We need space to see God. We need space to see God. Because if there's no space in our life, we are breathless, running from one thing to another, to another you are just too busy, too tired, too distracted, too disorganized to see God. How do we create space in our lives so that you and I have some sense of the presence of God, the one who's worthy in our lives? I present to you two simple things. One is we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves because we are really self referencing already. By ourselves, we are just caught up in ourselves. I present to you we need to create space to meet in communities. Create space to meet in communities. Because other people remind us, it's not about you lah, it's not about you lah. And we need to remind other people, it's not about you either, you know. It's about God. And we need that, we need that community. So this is a picture I I visited at CG some weeks ago, and I am in this picture. Can you find me? I am in this picture, can you find me? Honestly, this is a badly taken picture. Because it was closing and everyone wanted to go home, everyone's tired, so I said, okay, can I quickly get that picture? I, I I was down there. One of the CG members, she said, Wow, Pastor, you're so self-effacing. You consider the plant on your left more important than yourself. I said, I wish that were true. It's not. It's just a badly taken picture. But for those of us who are not in community, I encourage you to find that community. In the community of god-fearing men and women it keeps us remind ourselves it's not about us it's about the kingdom and we need that we need that if you keep going to community you'll find the encouragement and you end up taking better pictures also okay we practice we practice the second thing i want to share is this so that is in terms of the effort we make to build that space around people and for people to build around us But we must take that personal effort as well. So for myself, one of the tools I found useful for myself is uh, this. It's called a five-minute journal. And was introduced to me by uh, my accountability group in Woodland Centre. And, you know, someone said, oh, I I tried this five-minute journal. It's helpful. So last year, I, I did this for a season. So basically, there are two things. In the morning, it asks three questions. What are you grateful for? What would make today great? And what are some affirmations? And then in the evening, there is a time when you reflect to ask what are the highlights of the day and what did you learn. And so, if you want to look at it, it looks something like this. So, there is a morning section and there is an evening section uh, for you to fill up. And I, I, I did this and I found this really helpful. But something was missing. Uh, by the way, I've got no shares in this uh, out front declaration uh, because this, like all those YouTube, uh, this is the first time you're seeing it. They haven't made any, uh, they haven't seen this first. But I changed to uh, an electronic. Uh, version. So I'm, I'm using my iPad to do this, to streamline all my uh, devotions and, and stuff like that. So it's still the questions. But more than that, the electronic version allows you to add questions. So I added one question. And the question is, how was God present today? So at the end of the day, I make note, how was God present today? For me, for me. I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, whatever way you do it. Find some space in the day where you, you are reminding yourself it's not about you it's about God and His kingdom. What can we do? What can we do? Because friends, missions doesn't begin with the nations. Missions begin with worthy is the Lord. Worthy is the Lord. And for that, seeing God in a selfie world, it begins with this. We need to create space in order to see God. That's my first encouragement for all of us. The second is not just seeing God, but sign for God in a broken world. Sign for God in a broken world. Revelation 6, 9 to 10, uh, this is two verses, it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had bore. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? How long? How long? Hold on. So, this is a cutting of snippets in, in strict times just over the last two weeks, all the way from Taiwan to Ukraine to India to US. We live in a, a broken world. We lo- live in a world that, you know, it is just, we recognize something has gone terribly wrong. You cannot live and, 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 and look at the things around you and, and not recognize this, this is, things have gone bad. But I share with you one thing because of the world we live in, which is media information saturated. Often, often, many of us feel overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but you know, when you flip the papers and all that, and just reading through, you just feel a sense of, wow, it's so many things happening. These are my two feelings. I feel numb and paralyzed. Because it's just so much. There's just so much. I don't know what to do. What I do, can it really help? And all these things come daily, you know, with all the news that I receive. And I figure, I I don't think I'm the only one. I think many of us struggle with this as well simply because the needs are just humongous, ginormous. It's beyond what we can tahan, beyond what we can bear. So what do we do in the midst of all that's thrown against us? So let me share by way of illustration also. You know, every year I have a spring cleaning in December. I take some leaves to clear leaves, but really it's to clean my house. Because I don't know why, the whole year there's these funny gnomes that go about putting all sorts of stuff around the house. I don't know where they come from. At the end of the year, wow, what's all these things I have accumulated, all the, sorry, garbage uh, over the year, you know. And so I have to spring clean. Usually begins room by room. But I tell you, it's a horrible experience. It's a horrible experience because often I feel overwhelmed. So you take out stuff, take out stuff. So most of the rooms end up with a pile in the center. There's a pile in the center. And I look at it, uh, my heart firstly sinks. uh, And I'm stuck there for quite a bit. Honestly, I just start, I don't know where to start. It's just so much. And that is analogous to us uh, looking at the world, you know. You see, there's so much garbage. There's so much. How, where to start? What to begin? I'm not Maria Kondo and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I just look at it. don't know what to do. But this is something I learned. I do what I know first. In that pile of stuff... I do what I know first. So I can't do everything, right? We can't boil the ocean, right? Can't do everything. But what is the one thing I, I look at? I say, ah, this one I think I know. This piece, I, I remember I saw it over there, and I want it, so I keep it. This piece, this piece, I think I can chuck it away. And piece by piece, one piece at a time, one piece at a time, the mess is clear. The mess is clear. I share this with you because life is like that. It's a lot of stuff coming at us. We can't take it. It's just overwhelming. We can be numbed and paralyzed, but we can do one thing at a time. Translating this to our our walk and our journey in following Jesus. How do we do that? i share with you one thing. What we know, we do first. That's it, Lord. We can't do everything, what? But what you know, just do it, Lord. So right now, we're going to practice that. Right here, we're going to practice that. I'm going to share with you a prayer letter I received from a friend in Myanmar. He's the chairman of EFC Myanmar. His name is Pastor Rona. And this was a letter I received on the 8th of January, just this year. I'll share with you what it says. Dear friends, greetings to you. I'm writing with you with sadness because Sikang village was burned two days ago. The village just 15 minutes drive from my house. At least 70 homes were burned. Six of them from our members. One is our retired pastor, Reverend Tang Linga, he's very old now. He's lost everything. Please pray for his health as well. Many of them fled to Mizoram, India. We placed six families at our rehab centre. We provided food, clothing, medicine. Pray for God's intervention to bring peace and order in our country. Pray for shelters, food, healthcare for displaced groups. Pray for our safety. These days we keep hearing explosions, guns, burning houses. Pray for wisdom and spiritual strength to respond to those in need. Situations do not improve. It is like getting worse. More and more needs are around. We praise God to have you as our prayer partners. Thanks for your many prayers and generosity. God bless you richly. What will you do if you receive something like this? Friends, today we are going to do something right here. Right here. I invite us to pray. We can't do everything, but we can pray for this one item. So you leave here and say, I can't do everything, but at least I've done this. Okay, so right now I want to invite us. Would you partner up with someone beside you? I hope you're comfortable with the person beside you. If not, too late already ready to change. I'm going to give you two minutes, really two minutes. And in this service, we will pray for Myanmar. We will pray for Myanmar. The prayer items there are lifted off. Lifted off what the letter have just said earlier. Okay, so I'd like to invite us right now. Would you just turn to someone beside you? Turn to someone and let's pray. Let's pray believing God is here. God is here. He will answer that prayer. And let's not just pray, we're going to pray believing. God will answer those prayers. God hears, God knows, okay? So I will time you. At the end of the two minutes, I will close us in prayer. So my dear brothers and sisters, today I invite you to pray along. Let's do that one thing that we know how to do. Let's do it right now. Let's pray. Two minutes, let's pray. Let's pray believing. Let's pray believing. Let's pray believing. God will hear. God will answer this prayer so that the nations will truly will truly be in His hands. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Come, let's pray. Let's believe. Let's pray. That's right. Let's pray. That's right. You can open your eyes and look at this and pray. Okay? Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. 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 God is here. He is hearing your prayers. These are part of the prayers that will go to the bowls of golden incense that he will answer. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Let's press in. 30 more seconds and I'll close you in prayer. 30 more seconds and I'll close you in prayer. pray that many will turn to Jesus in these difficult times. Ten more seconds and I'll close you in prayer. Allow me to lead us and close us in this time of prayer. Father, this morning we confess, we look at the pain that's in the world, and it overwhelms us so often, we, we don't know what to do with it. But by your Spirit, would you lead us? Maybe just one thing at a time, what we know is in front of us, we just obey your Spirit's leading and to do it. And this morning, we bring before you the nation of Myanmar, and the churches, our brothers and sisters there. We pray in Jesus' name for your hand, your hand, your hand to rest over this nation, to bring about peace and justice, Lord. And what we cannot do in so many ways, we call upon our sovereign Lord to bring your grace, your peace, your mercy. And all of us in various ways, different ones of us as we are led, Father, we commit these prayers to you and pray you will answer them and bring great glory to yourself and relief for your church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. This is what Leo Tolstoy says. uh. He says, When the suffering of another creature causes you to feel pain, Do not submit to the initial desire to flee from the suffering one. But on the contrary, come closer, as close as you can to her who suffers and try to help her. You see, most of us are pain-adverse. I'm pain-adverse. But to be truly human, God invites us to move towards pain. And what you did in prayer just now is moving towards pain. You're doing something very interesting. You're feeling the pain and you're turning it into prayer. You're feeling the pain and you're turning into prayer. We can't do anything, but we know our God can do something. So that's my invitation for us. You know, this is what the psalmist says also in Psalm 94. He says, O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked exalt? How long shall the wicked exalt? This cry in the Old Testament is the same cry we see in Revelation. This is the cry of all Christians through all ages how long? How long, O Lord, before you judge and avenge? And I put this before you because we live in a broken world and we must continue to sigh for the absence of God and say, God, would you be present in a broken world? And we do that best by feeling the pain and turning it into prayer. We see God in a selfie world by creating space. We sigh for God by turning the pain into prayer. And the final portion is simply this. We sense God's hand in a hurried world. Sensing God's hand in a hurried world. So the last verse here I'd like to share with us today is Revelation 6:11, 11, uh, continuing from where we just read in Revelation 6, 9 and 10. Then these martyrs, they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves have been. I'd like to highlight one word, and the word is rest. Uh, in the Greek it's anapao. Uh, if you're reading from the NIV, it, it's translated as wait. So it, it has those nuances, either resting or waiting. And I present to you, resting and waiting is something very foreign to many Singaporeans. Because by and large, most of us are activists. That's why, as I said, in the pandemic years, it was very difficult for many of us. Because the car is running like 200 miles per hour and suddenly slam, we, we can't do anything, we feel lost, you know. We, we, we need to do something, I guess. And... and Friends, by this I do not mean uh, you now waiting for God's hand means we sit around boa, you know, you know, and just, just wait. for. No, that's not it. We have to plan. But there must be a sense of resting that God is in control. And our job is not just to do things, it is to plan, but it's to be sensitive. Where is God's hand? When it is this time? He told the martyrs, not yet. Uh, using the Malay word, tahan. Wait a bit, wait a bit. And for us, as, as Christians, as activists, Singaporeans, we always want to chung, we always want to get things going. There is a place for that. But often I think we overstep and we move far ahead of where God wants us to be. This morning I want to share with you BMW. BMW. Not Byrashic Motor Van Works BMW. Not, but bless migrant workers. Many of you know that during the pandemic in the year 2020, God did something incredible. He blew open the door. But many of us may not be aware that this was the Lord's leading us, not in 2020, but in 2018, you know, way before the Lord was presented. So the story goes like this. Pastor Xiang Hon was helping his brother do a short film in Little India in 2018. As he was helping the brother, a migrant worker, Bangladeshi, came up to him and said, can I talk with you? Out of the blue. sure. They chatted up, started a conversation, exchanged phone numbers. And the friendship continued. The friendship is like, ooh. The friendship continued. And not just that, more friends started coming, but it's just a small group, but it became deeper. They spoke about spiritual things. They are from a different faith. They spoke about different things. And they exchanged to the degree that many of them wanted to receive the angel and was given to them. But the interesting thing is, the following year, about early 2019, mid-2019, we were told that there's an Indian pastor who was studying in Baptist Theological Seminary. He had graduated, sponsored by the church in India, but the church says, back in India, we've got no space for you. So we said, would you like to explore relationships and get to know him? So we did. We just got to know him. and Whoa, wonderful heart. Wonderful heart for Bangladeshi people. But his, his posture was super. It was a broken posture. It wasn't that kind, of, well, I can do everything. It's a kind of, what well, I need God. God can, a lovely posture, lovely posture. And so we said, okay, maybe we, we, we get you on staff as an intern and then, and then he became a pastor. But, so I'm going to say something, please don't take offence. Huh? You look around us, just take a look around us. Take a look around us. We are not wired huh, to reach out to the Bangladeshi workers. I'll just put it there. Huh? You look at the colour of our skin, we're just different. Our SES also different, isn't it? So it's not no, you know, it's how. How to how to do that. It's it's just so different, isn't it? But slowly the Lord seems to like that. And then the pandemic came. 2020 hit us. And about the circuit breaker season, I don't know whether you remembered, suddenly the the plight of the migrant workers came to the fore. And so this group that started, Pastor Siang Hon and some Covenantals we linked up with Pastor Samuel Gift who was into this ministry and he brought us to the dormitories and and we looked at the work and we were horrified. No food. Nothing. They were stuck there. COVID cannot come out. So with that burden, we, we made the clarin call. They made the clarin call. And I tell you, God just blew open the doors. It was incredible. You... Covenantals responded from the east, from Bukit Panjang, from Woodlands. Hundreds came in droves. It's incredible, early in the morning, early in the morning, 4, 5 a.m., because it was Ramadan period, Covenantals drove cars, took bags of food, stuffed it in their cars, and drove all the way to the dormitories. In fact, in fact, evening, some of us were there, little India, we were distributing food. I am so proud. I am so proud of Covenantals. You rose up in the midst of COVID, wear gloves, everything, because everyone's afraid. This is the terrible pre vaccination days, you know. Everyone is afraid, everyone's scared. But you came, you rose up, and you fed thousands, thousands of meals were distributed. And not just that, we built friendship with them. We built friendships with them. It's still continuing till today. So much so that many of them they, they are in the kingdom. They're in the kingdom now. I'm going to show you some of the incredible things that God has done. This is the Christmas 2021, not 2022, I haven't gotten the video yet, so I apologise. But this is a 2021 video of Covenantals celebrating with the Bangladeshi migrant workers. Uh, And I just want to show you, 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 to encourage you, so we need sound, thanks video folk. The hall is filled, Covenantals are there, first time they are hearing the Gospel gospel in their language and after that we fed them in the foyer they are comfortable more with the floor than the chair, we sit on the floor they eat with their hands, we eat with our hands with them Friends, I want to share with you, this could not have been achieved by anyone else. We are really not so clever. This is God's hand. We need to recognize this. God is on the move. He's doing something that is totally out of our ability to do this. I share this because when God wants to do a work, we throw our weight behind it. Because he's moving in this direction, we don't create ways for ourselves. But God is on the move. And that's my encouragement. Sense God's hand. Where is God moving? Learn to listen to him and then move as he's moving. I want to share with you a burden upon my heart right now. Where God is opening. So last year, last year around Chinese New Year during this period, you know, the ministry people, they, they came to us and said, oh, you've done so well with the Bangladeshi workers. Uh, we've got these China workers, they are bored. You want to help us or not? They sure. Chinese New Year, we, we had a makan for them, celebrated for them. Uh, sorry, the, because of the space we have is Woodland Centre. So sorry, this is not meant to be uh, centre-centric. Huh? It just so happened we got the space available. That's why we want to get a piece of land for your, okay, so you. So they can hold this in the east centre as well. Okay? And uh, over 170 Chinese migrant workers came. Uh, Pastor Elvis preached and many of them prayed to receive Christ. It's incredible. They just raised their hands and they came forward. Walk on. So Pastor Elvis said, You can sing, ma? Uh, uh, China, Pastor guys speaking in tongues today. <laughs> They rose their hand and came forward. It's incredible. I mean, you stood there and said, wow, God is on the move. This started, and then the, because the work was so well done, the, the ministry in ST Lodge, that means not us, uh, the other ministry, uh, say, hey, you want to come and come, 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 help us with this at ST Lodge. Out of that was born the China Workers Fellowship. This is, this is another incredible work of God. So we've done the Bangladeshis. Now God is open among them. So this is what happens every Sunday. you know. Every Sunday, there's a team that goes down they not just feed them, they play games with them. We become friends with them. Basically, it's not just stuff the gospel down your throat. We love you. We love you. We share with you. We feed you. We are friends with you. And so every, every Sunday, this is this happening since then. In t- less than a year, more than 240 Chinese workers have come to know Christ. Don't you think the Lord deserves a clap offering? <clears throat> this, this is really God's work. I'm sharing this with you because God is on the move. We, we, we are not so clever. God directs. We do our best to listen and to follow. So this is my encouragement for us. Where is God's hand in your life, in the life of the church you call my church? And how can we follow Him? Just this week, six of them during Chinese New Year were baptized. One of them took a gift of $200. For them, $200 a lot of money. He gave, he says, this is for the ministry of the Chinese workers because I have been blessed. I came to know Jesus. I want to give back. This is a move of God. This is a move of God. This is where God's hand is. And I want to encourage you to participate with this. Why? Because this is very important. We need to move by the timing of the Lord. Yes, we need to plan, but where God is, we follow Him. We follow Him. So, what am I leading us towards? This work, this work is so fruitful, we are running out of labours, literally. We need help. I'm going to show you some of the specific needs, and I'm going to ask you to think about responding. to responding, so the Chinese Workers' Fellowship, uh, it's just two hours every Sunday. Two hours every Sunday, you finish by 1.30. It's at Chachukang ST Lodge. What we need is ushers, musicians, befrienders, nurturers, food service. Come as individuals or come as a CG. You know, some of us, we think, ah, mission trip. Ah. Okay, we want to go for a mission trip as a CG. can but God has provided missions for us uh, right here in Singapore itself. This is the nations coming to our land. So you think about it. Why not consider, just give you an idea, as a CG, once every six weeks, we volunteer. As a whole CG after service, you know, after the early, oh sorry, you come for 11 o'clock service, I have to change service, I'm sorry, <laughs> for the earlier service, and then go, just two hours. You say, 我的花语不很好, 不用请, Welcome! 来,来, that's all. Usher, service, that's all. Your presence there will really relieve the team. You don't have to preach, okay? We have the Chinese preachers, so don't panic. Okay, don't panic. You don't have to preach either. But if, if just CGs, different CGs come, this world, I tell you, is flourishing. I bring this before you because God's hand is here. That's what I'm saying. We recognize God's hand is here, and we invite you to participate with us. No, we started this morning uh, asking you to take a selfie, right? A self-facing camera. I'd like you all to consider really doing something. I want you to turn your camera the other way now. Turn your camera the other way now, okay? Not all of you can do, but as many as you can. Please, could you just... Now, taking this doesn't mean you sign your life away. I know many are very afraid now. It doesn't mean you sign your life away. But at least you put in and say, I explore. I explore. I cannot, but CG, once every six weeks, our missions for 2023, 2024, partnering with God. This is how the nations are won to the kingdom. This is God's hand game. This is how we can move in that direction. So men and women, this is where we believe God is leading and sensing God's hand, I bring to you God's hand this morning. We need to sense, not just see the Lord in a selfie world, not just sigh for God in a broken world. We need to sense His hand, sense His hand in a hurried world because because the timing of the Lord is very critical. You no know, friends at the end of the day if you forget everything as we come to a close the nations in God's hands does not begin with the nations it doesn't begin with the nations it begins with God and his glory because that is the end and all that we are doing today is for one thing and one thing alone because God alone is worthy let us pray let us pray Father, we thank you so much for your blessings over the church in Singapore. But I pray for the greatest blessing, Lord, that your church will see you for who you are, that you alone are worthy, that you alone are worthy. Thank you, Lord. Men and women, today I want to make a call not to serve merely in CWF, in China Worker Fellowship. I believe God wants us to see Him afresh. That's the most important thing. That's what it begins for the nations to be in God's hands. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But some of you, I believe the Spirit has spoken to you. And I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And this simple prayer is that you want to see God as worthy. That's all. That's all. And without lifting your hands, without anything, would you close your eyes, bow your heads? And if you want to pray that prayer, Would you pray this prayer? I want to lead you in this prayer because our God is worthy. Our God is worthy. In your heart, would you pray this prayer? Dear Lord, today I come and I think it's all about the nations and missions again. But thank you for the reminder that it begins with you. It begins with Jesus. That He is worthy. That's why the nations are important. But it begins with my God who is worthy Lord, this morning I pray you help me to see my Lord Jesus high and lifted up, worthy that he's the Lord of my life and I bow and I worship my King again. Would you answer this prayer today and in the days ahead for me and my family? Father, you hear all these prayers lifted before you. I I believe this is the most pleasing thing to you today, not just about going for missions, but about worshipping God first. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. And Lord, I pray that the burdens that you want to lead different ones of us, Father, would you now let your weight fall upon their hearts, that as they fall in love with Jesus, they will embrace the pain and do all that you've called them to do. To bring greatest glory to you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we close with this song. Let's stand as we close to this song.
0: Unable to break the seal, to open the scroll, the line of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's ruin and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Blessing and honor and glory is worthy of yeah. Does the Father truly love us? He does. us? He does. He does, He does, is anyone worthy, is anyone whole, is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? of Judah don't cut the grave he is David good and the lamb who to ransom the slave for the people and tribe having nation and tongue he is made as a kingdom and priests and God bringing the sun Beauty. Is he worthy of a blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Of- Spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.